This is Caleb. I'm here with special guest Chris Golden, who is a writer of fine dialogue <laughs> and a fan of film for many years. Today we pose him the question, what is the movie that changed your life? Uh, greetings, everybody. Glad to be here. And I would say, um, uh, you know, obviously... Uh, I, mm. I grew up in the 70s and 80s and quite a number of phenomenal films, um, breakout years. Um, one, of the, one of the significant films would have been Time Bandits. Mm. Terry Gilliam's Time Bandits, Monty Python crew. From and, 1981, Yes, Time Bandits, his yes. follow-up to The Holy Grail. Okay. Yeah. yeah I, I remember I, I completely enjoyed The Holy Grail. Yeah. It, it, I think more people are familiar with, with uh, Mighty Python's Holy Grail right. than uh, Time Bandits. With yeah. Time Bandits. Yeah, Time Bandits not not exactly a, a landmark cultural achievement. <laughs> yeah. In many ways it is, though. I mean. Right, right. Uh, it had a lot to say about the universe and people's worldviews, but it didn't, uh, I would say, it did, certainly did not have the impact on society of something like Star Wars or Back to the Future or, or other films of the era. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, what was your uh, experience like coming to this movie? Did you see it theatrically? Uh, or see it no, after no, the fact? I'm, I'm sure I saw the. I would have seen it for the first time. I'm pretty sure I saw it on uh, cable. Okay. On cable, uh, cable TV on the movie channel, one of the you know uh, premier channels. It's impressive. A five million dollar movie, which is the cost of Clerks too. Right, and right. for for something that ambitious, that big, that um, the the set dressing, right. the the type of production value that went into it, very impressive what Gilliam right. did with with five million, even in nineteen eighty one. Right. Running. Well, you you didn't have a huge array of uh, of major actors in it. You know, you had Sean Connery and you had Shelley Duvall, yeah. um, and then you had the you know the Monty Python guys. But you know, it's not like some of the some of the major motion pictures today. Something like, uh, say, The Departed or something like that, where you had all the you know De Niro and and uh, uh, um, uh, who was yeah uh, all these kind of characters at that level, a list you know a series of very list actors. Um, but you would have had, uh, but you did have in the movie was like uh, like you were saying it 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 crossed um, sort of every kind of boundary of imagination well not really so much science fiction but um but you had all these different all these different genres from history yeah all these different i would scenes. say the uh the, the basic structure of the film is a familiar one there's parallels to wizard of oz or alice in wonderland right or you, peter pan it's right. it's a child going on a journey right kind of through a dream or through a fantasy through some kind of uh well gateway. sort of a kind of sort of a, a super fantastic in the sense that there was a reality. They went through that reality into a fantasy, mm -hmm. and then, and then out of that fantasy back into a back into reality. And, yeah. and actually, they went through more than one fantasy. You know, they go through these holes, and, and then you had this idea of God, and yeah. the supreme being. And, well, let's go through the the setup. Sure. And kind of work our way up. So the the kid is Kevin. Right. And Kevin, his his father's kind of a jerk. His parents, they establish, are very into technology. And and keeping up with the Joneses kind of mentality. Yeah, materialism. I'd say not so much. You know, 
uh, not so much like the high stereo system or anything like that, but just the materialism. A lot of the Jonias kitchen, very, right? Um, materialistic blenders and toasters, and, and right. they kind of talk about. Yeah, and you have you have all the plastic over the furniture, and so you have this idea that the the yeah. property is more important than the people. Yeah, they're not even enjoying in these kind of fine possessions they have. Right, it's this sort they're of they're always comparing their, themselves to the neighbors and. Yeah, this yeah they yeah have. you see them watching this TV show, and the TV show is pitting these material goods against yeah, uh, people's show. lives and health, and and they're they're ignoring their kid, you know the the they're. You know, the the only interaction with the kid is to control them, to send them to bed, to give them these orders. Uh, they're not interested in, in talking to him or, or, you know, he's got a, he's interested in Yeah, history. it's like they're he's like, in. okay, eat something and make sure it goes down. Yeah, and then go and to like, bed. Like, this is the basic thing a, a human needs to survive. Yeah, we, we need to eat something. <laughs> not, not because it's healthy or no. unhealthy, but because you were up all night and it disturbed us, you know. And, yeah. And so there's this sort of sense of these, yeah, these the comforts in their own yeah, like, their own their own little manipulation like what, and control of the universe is more yeah. important than the, we did our job son. as parents we fed him the, the, he has clothes you know yeah he's they fine. don't they don't have interest in, in him or what he's interested in he's at the stage in life where he's he's learning about history he's exploring the universe around him and and the yeah. movie and the movie is really about uh, yeah, the opening scene: the kids reading at the table, and the parents right. are watching TV. And and that's where the movie starts. It's a sort of a innocence. This this kid who's smart enough, he's he's learning about the universe around him, and he begins this journey of of he's smart and he's asking questions and he's mm -hmm. exploring the universe, and he goes from this innocence um, and and naivete to sort of this worldview at the end of the movie where he you know he deals with all these different issues. He he sees all these different types of people and these types of mm -hmm. communication. Uh, you know, he explores all these different character issues, um, value systems, and and you know, and, and finds out what's important to him. Yeah. Do you remember what, what the kid says to the father at the beginning about what, what the kid is reading? He says some kind of fun fact about. Right. He's talking about Agamemnon. He's studying the Greek uh, Greek yeah. wars and Agamemnon, the King Agamemnon, and how the Greek warriors, you know, yeah. learned forty-five different ways to kill somebody. And and he's yeah. interested in this kind of a hero, this kind of a king, from uh, it's it's history, but it's semi mythical history, you know. It's, it's yeah, he's searching kind of for a role model, right? Through fiction, through history, through wherever he can kind of right find right. it. He's establishing his value systems, and and and, and you know, I, I'd say he's exploring stuff. And his room reflects that. When you look in his room, you yeah. see chess lot, pieces lot and army characters, and... right? Uh, some some fantasy, some reality, some technology, a little bit of everything. There's no one main theme to his yeah. room. It's important to know that this is on the kid's mind. Right. So the first time we see him fall asleep is is a knight in armor right. on a horse, kind of wakes him up. Right. And then kind of his dream state. Right. And right. then he immediately um, looks at his wall and sees the picture right. that he kind of just just dreamt then. And then the next day he has a plan to go to bed early. Because he kind of wants he's to go back to the dream this, world right. and things. And he's got his he's got his Polaroid camera and his yeah. bag of goodies. He's ready to start exploring the universe, to to explore the situation. He's 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 interested, and we're interested in him because he's in you know he's interested yeah. in the universe. He's he's outward bound. He's uh he's an introvert. He's not he's not locked up in this little fantasy of what's within my yeah. imagination. He's ready to explore the world, and he's interested in stuff outside of his own um, outside of his own house. 
And that's not yeah, for a child. Think, He's, it's, it's, it's basically the beginnings of adulthood, you know? It's a kid. Yeah. A, a sort of a... It's a, a kind of a coming-of-age story. Exactly. And he, we haven't exactly got uh, women and and conquest in it. Um, that's not really what it, you know, we're not quite there yet. Yeah. He's not that old, but he's exploring the, he's, he's, he's almost more innocent than that where he's not yeah. distracted by, by sexuality and or romance. He's, he's, he's just looking at the, even the bigger picture than that of, uh, you know, what's my place in the universe. Yeah. And, and, um, so the next night he goes to bed and a bunch of dwarfs, come through the wardrobe. The sort of catastrophe of these yeah. people that are... And, and I think subconsciously, the boy is looking for people to, to play with and go on an adventure with and a quest. And, and on the surface, like, oh, th these drawers would be great, kind of fun. They're kind of adolescent in their behavior. They're kind of immature. Yeah, right? But they yeah. want to go have a good time and go on an adventure. And the kid is happy to kind of join them. I, I think I think mischievous is the word. You can see that they're, 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 they're dangerous in the sense that, you know, they're trying to... They're beating on each other and they're mischievous, yeah. but they're more mischievous than they are uh, totally threatening. Yeah. And, and they're comical, you know, they're arguing with each other. There's not a strict uh, authority structure. Yeah. There's a leader, but he's not He's not a good leader. Randall. You know, yeah, he's struggling yeah. with control. Fidget, Og. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 they're they're both adults and they're both children. You know, they're they're scaled like children, but they're they're old. They look old like they're adults. Yeah. So there's sort of this mixture of all humanity in a sense. Yeah, and they there's something that we as an audience we trust the kid going. They're not going to hurt the kid. They're you know whatever their own agenda is to kind of steal stuff. They they're going to treat the kid well. Yeah, kind of thing. We're not we're not worried about like, yeah, they, yeah, a predator situation. <laughs> Uh, yeah, there's well, there's like I said, there's a sense of mischief. There's a possible danger, but they're but that's not the point of what they're after when they when they yeah. counter him. And, and it's a great setup because we see this this the head of the supreme being comes into the room and he's right. well well before that I should say that Kevin sure, holds no. a flashlight on him and they're scared of him because they yeah. they can't tell who he is. So these guys aren't exactly heroes. Um, yeah. This kind and of an absent-minded clumsiness. Then, then when they realize that Kevin's only as big as them, that he's just a kid, then they come back and threaten him. So these 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 guys are they're potentially dangerous and mischievous, but they're they're yeah. they're they're uh, just sort of this main yeah. sort of mix of all types of humanity. And, they, they remind me of the Lost Boys and, and Peter Pan. Okay, yeah, kinda, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and then the entertaining to see and hang with, but they're they're using kind of weapons and tools and yeah. And th but then we get this glimpse, uh, like if, if something bad is going to happen, they're going to accidentally right hurt themselves. And, and then we get the thing. sense of the supernatural. The wall opens up. They're pushing against the wall. They're making this clumsy effort to uh, to work together as a team, and they can't. You know, they on you know. Yeah. When I say go, go, and then he counts to one, and they all move together on one, and then they're not exactly... So <laughs> they're like, no, go on on two or three, which yeah, one do we go so on? they're sort of a disorganized mess, and we have this sense that they're not exactly competent, um, and but there's this mystical thing happening where the wall's expanding, and he's struggling to, you know, Ke the, the boy Kevin yeah. is struggling to understand exactly what's going on here. The universe is, is more than he can understand here. And I like the, the, the ambiguity of, of the floating head. Right, the supreme being, uh, who just says like, "I want my map back." Right, you took my map. Definitely so authority this structure. This thing, this is a thing that's not scared. Yeah, it's coming at him. It's authoritative. It's it's precisely clear. You know, it's making demands of him, 
and it's our, our our you know our earliest understanding of of a god type character. You know, yeah. it's just a sort of head, so it's it's relatable in that it's not a completely inanimate object or something that's you know it's got a certain type of personality, but that personality is very very authoritative. Yeah. You know? So then we we go to Napoleon. Right. It's the time of Napoleon. Right. It's France. Yeah. And and Gilliam is kind of known for kind of jumping into history right. and kind of doing a satire of these figures right. and of these time periods. So yeah. Napoleon is, he's watching this puppet show. He's the guy who wants to be entertained. Yeah, and this gives us our first, this, this, this introduces the pace of the movie. So we've got, mm -hmm. you know, this is, this is how the movie works. And we get all these little insights into these very detailed and particular people. Mm -hmm. um, each of these you know, they exist in a very, very specific context, and you, you get this total glimpse of, very, very quickly understand who Napoleon is, you know. And he's this guy that's, his generals are afraid of him, he's conquered a town, he's ruled an army, he's very, very powerful, and at the same time, he he's totally obsessed with this sort of height and control thing, and we understand yeah. where he's coming from. He's, he's the little guy that was very, very aggressive, that fought off the bullies coming up, yeah, and he's and obsessed he's, with height and and power and power. Right, he's he's all the time. He's he's he's, he, he's not painted as kind of a a good guy that we like. He's he's, a, he's kind of a joke. When we, when we see him in history, we see him as this guy that conquered all of Europe and came back up and down in power, had this complicated, um, you know, romantic relationship and stuff. But he dominated. You know, he, he controlled France on and off in the whole and and all of Europe over a couple of decades. And in this one little five-minute scheme, we get a picture of this sort of guy who's intimidated and frustrated, and yeah. but very competitive and very aggressive, and and we understand him right away. And it's funny, you know, and his sense of he has a sense of humor in, in his he's he's reached this point in his career where um, mm -hmm. uh, he's got control of everything, and he's trying to con you know he's he's controlled this town. The whole town is waiting to surrender to him. He can't be bothered. He just wants yeah, to be entertained. To be. And I love when he's like, no, I love small people hitting each other and things. That's right. what I want to see. very, very quickly. Small things. And very, very quickly, the movie introduces this very, this amazing shift uh, from one scene to another, but this very detailed description of this person. And so it's all about yeah. the characters. We understand not now that the movie's all about these characters and these, you have the different characters. Mm. You have the movie theater owner. And, and we see him in a nutshell, and he's in him this trying very, to kill himself, kind of very dramatic, very, very frustrated, yeah, and and very animated characters. We see the Napoleon's generals who are very, and so we have this context, and it's and it within itself it holds up within the scene all by yeah. itself without in, without the rest of the movie, is entertaining and comical, and these this little sort of miniature play within a. Within it a is movie. a Gilliam style kind of like. This would be like a flying circus skit. This would be right. kind of a self-contained. Right in the yeah in in the. In the flying circus, and even within, you know, uh, the Holy Monty Grail, Python's you had game, all yeah. these, you know, little. Each, each scene was like four or five minutes that works within itself that you could just watch by themselves yeah. as a commercial, which is about your, you know, your attention span, and 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 that's how the rest of the movie sort of goes. And, and I think it, yeah, it, it's a. It's interesting to note that because Napoleon is portrayed this way, we don't really feel that bad when the dwarfs are stealing, stealing from all him. Of stuff. This guy has excess. Right. And he probably doesn't deserve all that he has. Right. He kind of mistreats people in his 
his servants right. and kind of, you know. And we see this sort of inside-out view of history. Yeah. And this is, like, this isn't a guy Kevin can look up to or admire. Well... Kind of a thing. That well, comes later, you know. Well, the, the whole movie's about this, and this is sort of the one of the things that I really love about the movie is... Is uh, I saw this movie at a time when I was just finishing high school, and you mm -hmm. had this, you, you know, you'd studied history, and you had this sort of overview of uh, of history of the world, and all these great leaders and characters, and who was significant in science and technology. And in this movie, um, when you read about somebody in a school textbook, the textbook is not comical; it's authoritative. No, yeah. And you see these guys as serious characters, and these building blocks. And, and they're revered, and they're statues of them, yeah. and they're national symbols. And throughout this movie, it puts all this stuff on its ear and looks at these guys from the inside out of these twisted up little characters. And, yeah. you know, the Napoleon's this compulsive little guy who's frustrated and has as many issues as, yeah, as anybody else that you know. unrelatable guy. Right, he's not this sort of cool, laid-back, you know, laid-back dude that, you know, that has the world at his control, um, Wait, that's enjoying his life. Mm -hmm. And is reigning over everybody else. He's this, you know, sort of compulsive, frustrated little guy. What, what's the running gag of his hand in his jacket? You know, that's sort of the deal in, yeah, in history. Yeah, all, the, all the pictures yeah. and statues of him, he's got his hand in there. Whenever he poses for anything, historically, he's got his hand in his jacket, and there's never any explanation. And so Monty Python takes a cheap shot at him, and it's a prosthetic or whatever. And Napoleon had these sort of issues in real life. He, had he introduced the idea of buttons on men's cuffs mm. because he found his soldiers wiping their uh, noses on their sleeves and he didn't want you know these his uniforms to be all of all the yeah. soldiers uh, to have all the snot all over them so he puts you know on the uniforms he, he has the soldiers wear the buttons on the sleeves uh, you know because because of, of how because he's vain yeah and that's always sort of portrayed in the movie he's this guy that's you know really sensitive about uh, about his height. Yeah, and he doesn't, you know, doesn't like the idea that his generals are taller than he is, that his, you know, subordinates are taller than he is, and he likes the idea of the dwarves, you know, and these guys are just real. They're smaller than him. They don't pose a threat. Um, they're hysterical, and hmm. and they're not making demands of him, you know. So after Napoleon, we jump to the Middle Ages and Robin Hood. Right. And there's another folk hero who he turns. is fodder for a lot of comedic gold that we've seen, and you know Robin Hood is always he's portrayed as this really noble guy, and this sort of hero of the uh, hero of the people against the nobility, and uh, he's a he's a uh, sort of a surreal character. He, he lives in the woods where all the nobility live in castles at the time, and in the movie he's this you know the. And I, well, I think one one reason the dwarves remain uh, likable and we can kind of root for them is because they can't catch a break. You know, they're, they're trying to recruit Robin Hood and his thieves, and or actually Robin is trying to recruit them. Well, they're willing to join in with them. They're yeah. they're aspiring to be these really uh, vicious and feared robbers, and and they're dwarves, and so you know, dwarves are not intimidating. Yeah. Um, and, and Robin gives away all the possessions to the poor. Yeah, he's right. And he gives a speech. But and and once again, he turns he he, he turns our idea of, of these historical characters inside out. And Robin's men are these obnoxious, couldn't be more vile characters. You know, they're not yeah. these sort of good heroes that are do-gooders. They're they beat up the peasants that they're giving the you know the money to. They're obnoxious. They're uh, they're vicious. They stink. Robin Hood's sort of a, f a flake, a fruit, 
Um, he's not this gallant, you know, hero yeah. that's putting his life on the line. But he's a better guy than, than Napoleon. He's kind of he's still portrayed <laughs> as a guy who's trying, maybe not succeeding the best, but he's kind of uh, yeah, he's sort of a lunatic, you know. It's yeah, like, his life doesn't make sense, and uh, he's he's he's. He's, you know, all of his men are really dirty and gritty, and you get the idea that they're, they're brigands, and, and, yeah. and, and, but, but he's more of a cartoon character in this thing than anything. Yeah, and, and not a guy Kevin really wants to look up to. Then right. that search continues. Right, right. You know, and this. he's, and he's, he's not a nice guy. He says one thing to your face and something else behind your back. You yeah. Know? Exactly. And did you, did you notice the little part where? The, the drawers and Kevin are walking away, and you have Shelley Duvall and the guy tied up. Right. You know, and, and being robbed, and they just keep, they walk white past, don't even notice right, them, right. just keep walking. Yeah. That kind of visual humor is, is, is right, great. Right, like, right. No, no dialogue necessary, just right, right. oblivious. Yeah. Like, oh, well, this sucks. They gave all our stuff away. What, yeah. You know? Yeah, and this is, this is, uh, these are the romantic characters. This is the only element of romance in the movie is Shelley Duvall and this one lover. And, pansy. And yeah, Pansy. <laughs> and they're sort of doomed and hopeless. You, you laugh at them. And, and they're the only romantic characters in this thing. Yeah. And, uh, and you get this idea that this whole, you know, that, that Gilliam really has this low opinion of romance and, uh, and marriage and love in the movie. You know, there's 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 character. There's sort of this good feeling and and loyalness to your friends that you know that the dwarves sort of sort of have towards the end. Um, that sort of materializes. But as far as as love and this sort of romantic notion, it's just a complete farce. That's <laughs> yeah. that's just to be trod upon. You know, and which is really kind of a harsh view of it. And it's probably one of the reasons that the that the movie was just panned. You know, if you could have played up some <laughs> kind of romantic notion that was that was more accessible or something like that, um, I, I don't know. Is you know, uh, then but, we then we come to a great moment though, yeah. because the the head of the supreme being is chasing them, and right. two doors appear. Right. And Kevin's like, "Which one do I choose?" Yes, yes. And Randall's like. Just go. Just get out just, of just here. Just get out of here. With your life. Yeah. So he goes to the well, one well, on the left. Well, before that, we should we should speak <laughs> to the idea of, of okay. Uh, before that, they you had the first view of evil, the sort of okay. sat, the Satan character, and we ought to go to that. Um, yeah, they flash too. Yeah. Yeah, and and this guy. Uh, so here's your idea of evil. He's he's mm -hmm. completely locked up on this sort of sense of technology. He's trapped in this thing. He he can't explain the, the why. The fortress of of. Some ultimate darkness, ultimate yeah, darkness, that comes yeah. By, by later. But he can't even explain to his own underlings, um, you know, yeah. why he's trapped here. He's, he keeps you know, vaporizing them because he just gets annoyed with their questions. Right, <laughs> he's he's evil, and he's created himself, but he doesn't have understanding of the universe. You know, he's all according to him, he's all powerful, uh, but he 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 doesn't understand. Uh, digital technology, even you know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's gonna understand computers, and then he'll be able to control the world. And this, the supreme being, he 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 figures he has that's his advantage over the supreme being because the supreme being's more interested in shrubs and and flawed people yeah, than he like, is in in the digital supreme technology being gave us and these materials. Men with nipples and yeah. and a slug. Yeah, what does a slug do? <laughs> yeah, it's pointless. It's not a military objective. And and so evil sort of represents he's a sort of sense of warfare and violence 
and uh, and control, and and parallel yeah, with he, uh, with Kevin's parents, you know, and you have the sense that yeah. everything's covered in plastic, which he pointed out to me, and I, I hadn't even seen that parallel. But Kevin's house, you know, all the furniture's covered with plastic, and in the sense of evil, everything's covered in plastic for no ostensible reason, you know, it's not yeah. like it's raining or anything like that. But everything's coated with plastic. You have the sort of mishmash of of technology. And, At uh, one point, evil and, and two henchmen kind of shapeshift into the parents and the game show host, and right. kind of turn back. But we'll get to that. Right, but part. you have this sort of combination of technology and witchcraft going on. You have this picture of these guys brooding over this over this pot with the smoke coming out of it, and so it's the sort of you know they don't exactly have computers or digital technology, but they do have all these big control panels and switches and, and knobs that you know. So you, you wonder what exactly you know this this you know these devices are that they're working, um, and and evil has this sort of magical power where he's able mm-hmm. to destroy things and there's a puff of smoke and he aims stuff at him and he, but he doesn't have he's he's got magic, and he's struggling with with science to some degree, and so but he's this sort of this mishmash of just con- he's all about trying to control stuff that's beyond his control. And, and there's a theme that. Technology is kind of the new magic. Right. You see different characters doing magic. Yeah. And it kind of and they fulfill distracts the... people, entertains people. It, it, now yeah. the technology is kind of the new, the new magic. The new and, magic. And they fulfill the same role in society yeah. in that there's these, some humans. You know, just as in one day there were wizards that were revered by the yeah. common people. They had control over yeah, these powers parents, that people didn't quite understand. The blender is magic. Right. You know. Right. Uh, it, back it in the day, do. you had you had these sort of magicians, these people that had seemed to have control or power over things that the rest of the people didn't understand. In the same way, today we have scientists that that seem that have control and power over things that most people don't understand. And and the scientists don't understand the whole universe, but they're trying to control it, and they have the system where they're going to you know mm-hmm. be able to control the universe. Uh, but of course, you know, but they don't. You know they they haven't controlled it all yet, and uh, but they're but they're a step above some other guy. You know, yeah, they're they're one step better than the other guy. Mm-hmm. So in the view of the other guy, these people are extremely powerful, in in the in the view of the uh, supreme being. Uh, these guys are sort of you know, uh, mm. you're you're a, you're sort of a slug that's better than a. Uh, a slug that's better than a weed because a slug can move about, but the weed can't. But so what? You know, you're still only yeah. a slug, right? In the whole <laughs> scheme of things, and and uh, and so that's this. That's this sort of this. This is a sort of parallel yeah. about about the whole. When he you just start likes toying at, with humanity, and yeah. And when they introduce evil, now they've taken a step back out of out of the reality that they started with, with the parents watching the game show and the, that sort mm. of present day thing. Uh, they went to fantasy. Or this sort of history thing, where they went from from the present day back to the back to uh, Napoleon's time and then to Robin Hood's time. So they've transcended time. They go to evil, and now they transcend the known universe into the supernatural yeah. universe thing. And they have this idea of now you, they've introduced the supreme. Yeah, being very mythological. And evil. Yeah, and and, and, so, and so now we have it's not it, we're we're beyond just the idea of history, and and time travel. We're into uh, your complete worldview, where you had good and the struggle of good and evil, yeah, and, and mythology, and and these whole ideas 
of uh, supernatural characters is, yeah. is, is going on. And I think it's interesting to note that evil thinks that he came first, he created himself, right. he's always been around. And he's going to be able to control, he's going to he's going to win, yeah. he's going to beat the Supreme Very being. inflated ego. Right, and these are all themes throughout a lot of different religions. It's, of we, himself, we, yeah. yeah. These are the themes sort from, of yin-yang themes idea. Themes from the Bible, themes from... Uh, 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 themes from the Old Testament, um, struggles that you see in you know in the Ch- in Chinese religions and, and Eastern religions and stuff yeah. too, with this sort of battle of good and evil, um, and and you know different roles we play as people. At, at one point, the the henchman is like, "If you're the supreme being, how come you're stuck down here?" And right, he just right. Vaporizes yeah. him. Right. That's a good question. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. If you're so powerful, how come you've allowed him to trap you in this castle? You yeah. You're trapped in this castle. Well, I'm not trapped. You know, he's, he's, he's he says, I'm, I'm letting him think I'm weak or something. I'm, yeah, in I'm, order to battle him. And, yeah. Right. Oh, very, very clever, the, right. the other henchman who wasn't vaporized says. Right, right. All right, so Randall's like, just go through any door. Just get out of here. And then Kevin goes through the door on the left, and he's like, "No, not that one." Yeah, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yeah. After it's too late, he advises them to. Yeah, Kevin, like, no, Kevin not asks, that door. <laughs> Go Kevin, through any door. Yeah, they're being. Yeah, they're in, they're in high danger from the supreme beings chasing them. We also know that evils after. You know, the story's gotten <laughs> extremely complex now because they've they've time traveled through history. Mm-hmm. Um, they've 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 escaped Robin Hood, Napoleon, uh, Napoleon's armies. Uh, evils onto them. Evils. Uh, and and the supreme beings, yeah. and, and he's explained that they had jobs previously. Now we were also led into the idea they that, that exposition that yeah. they had they had worked previously for the supreme being creating shrubs and forestry. They got in trouble for this pink what was it the pink big bamboo or something like that the six hundred foot plant that smelled terrible and was yeah. a shade of pink and they sort of got in trouble with the supreme being, but but that previously they had worked. And they had a role in creating the world. They had designed shrubs and some bushes and and these different things. So, uh, so it's it's interesting that if they're at a point in creating the world of yeah. plants and shrubbery, that now they're in it for the gold and the treasures yeah. that Napoleon has. Well, you, you you mentioned the biblical concept. He says, "Well, we only had seven days. We we're kind right. of in a rush, and there are kind of these holes in the universe that right. are these the, portals to yeah. different times." Yeah. And we've like, oh, why not use it to our advantage? And, Right, right, and so, and, and they become very materialistic for supernatural beings that previously yeah. worked directly, directly for the supreme being, the creator of the universe. They had played a role in cre- creation, and 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 now they're down to chasing, you know, artifacts of history and gold and goblets and these sort of treasures, and and so this sort of makes no sense how you know how twisted up these guys are that they're able to create a shrub. Uh, yeah, but but now that they just want to dominate, they just want to be. They want the simple creature comforts in life, you know. And the more we get into kind of the the fairy tale mythological aspects, the yeah. more them being dwarves kind of makes sense, right? Through a historical context of storytelling. Yeah, so so these guys represent everything and nothing at the same time. They're they're not exactly humans, but they they just want to. They just want to. Yeah, they just they just want to be comfortable in their own skins. You know, they want the, they they they're living exactly in the moment. They're sort of these um, cartoon kind of. Yeah, they're outside of time, so they got all the time in the world to. Yeah. You'd, you'd think they want something more complex. They've been around for a long time. Yeah, yeah you'd want something. You think they want something more complex than a good meal and a comfortable chair, and you know, and to be rich. Uh, but they don't. <laughs> they don't. <laughs> so they're they're sort of these sort of cartoons. They're 
they're they're powerful in that the sense that they have this map where they travel through time and they have an understanding of where everything is but they're not powerful because they're only you know they're dwarfs at the same time they're battling with each other for control of their own mind so they're sort of these you know they're powerful and they're and they're comically mm. uh, mischievous and, and stuff uh, so they're these, these amazing creatures um, and we're not sure exactly where to put them they're not they're not exactly hero quality yeah, uh, but they're not useless or, they're or pretty meaningless. Durable. Yeah, they're pretty durable. <laughs> <laughs> this chip is durable. <laughs> right, right. And 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 so you're trying to struggle for your grasp on exactly what yeah. what the hell the universe means if the stuff is all entangled and we have a map of flaws in the universe. Um, but anyways, but so Kevin, Kevin did, arrives in ancient Greece. Uh, right. Well, this this is hysterical, as you say. He two doors open up. Kevin has a simple <laughs> question: Which one? <laughs> and they go just get away. So he picks one and goes through it. He gets away, and as he's as soon as he does that, no, not that one. <laughs> Can't Why did catch you make a break. that? When this question yeah. was to the character, you know, of course, was to the character. Which one? He had a simple question. All the guy yeah. had to say left or right. Kevin just slapping his head the whole time. Like, yeah, oh, and this is how the universe. Presented. How did I end up with these knuckleheads? <laughs> and, and this is the classic Monty Python view of view of life in the universe. That you know live life in the moment everything is incomprehensible it's stupid it's amazingly complex and beautiful and at the same time it's it's elegantly stupid you know yeah. it's ridiculous um, we're trying to you know we're trying to find our way in this thing in one moment we're brilliant we're geniuses we're we're stealing all of Napoleon's treasure and and we've got all this amazing treasure and, and we're safe from it and then the next moment uh, Robin Hood you know, this complete lunatic idiot takes it away from us for no apparent reason and gives it to the poor, <laughs> <laughs> right? And, 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 uh, <clears throat> so this, so this journey is, is, is amazing and stupid and elegant and, and, and now Kevin ends up, uh, facing his hero from history. Yeah, he's in ancient Greece and, and at this, there's kind of two important things that happen. He's separated here. from the, from the maniacs that have, that have yeah, taken he, him out of his house. Where he meets, what's his name, Ar Argumengenon? Agamemnon. Ag Agamemnon. He meets classic, Sean Connery. Classic classic hero from the very beginnings of history. Yeah, so this is a guy compared to Napoleon and Robin Hood that this Kevin can admire and look up to. And this guy is a true history, uh, true hero. And for the first time in the movie, Kevin voices a goal to get back home. That he's trying to get back to his well, time he wants or get, to get back, back to something. We're not, we're not, he doesn't exactly. He doesn't say he wants to get back home. Yeah, he doesn't say that, home. Yeah. But he wants to get back. He's but but this is this is the nature of traveling. He's he becomes isolated yeah, from like, even the from even the comical characters that that abducted him to begin with from the dwarves. So he's on his own. He doesn't have the map. Uh, he's lost. Um, yeah, but, like an hour into the movie, Kevin has kind of this objective now. Yeah. So, kinda, yeah. So, uh, so, so he meets his hero. His hero, he's amazed. His hero defeats this uh, this monster, and he's a true hero. Um, he offers heaven, you know, Kevin the head takes. And, and, uh, you know, the Con Kevin, Connery is is on the ground, and Kevin falls from the sky. Yeah, onto him and wakes him up before the his opponent can kill him. Right, in which Connery throws a knife. Right. Into his opponent, right, and, and this is so Connery's is, grateful for, right. for the assistance here, accidental as it may be. So Kevin finally caught a break, right? You know, well, he meets the hero. The guy turns out to be a hero. Uh, he takes Kevin back to his people. Um, uh, Agamemnon, 
He's gone out there. He hasn't achieved any any material wealth that he didn't, you know, he defeated the monster that was threatening the city. Yeah. He didn't take an army out. He did it, you know, one-on-one. Mm-hmm. Um, he's in front of the people. He invites Kevin to live with him. He's he's kind. He's brave. Um, he rules the city. He offers Kevin, uh, you know... He makes him heir to the throne. So I'm yeah. adopting him as a son to make a new heir. Makes him heir to the throne. Uh... And That's Kevin's dream come true. And we, and we see that he's not materialistic. He's not so materialistic because when the dwarves uh, crash back into through their portal and come and abduct him, uh, you know the, they're taking. You know they ask for the riches. They take all the riches from the people. He's uh, he's possibly naive, but he's not so controlling um, no. and and greedy. That he, you know, he lets them take the crown right off of his head. He's agreeable. He's having a party for his, pe- you know, for the people. There's a big party there. He's he's not dominating anybody. He's not making any, humiliating anybody. He knows how to have a good time. Everybody's having. He's enjoying the party. He's a nice mm-hmm. guy. He's pleasant enough. Hey, hey, what do you make of this moment? It's interesting. Um, Argumenon does. Um, the, the sort of find the grape magic trick with the three cups. Right. Oh, he shows. Yeah, he's asking, yeah. He's showing him. This is important about being a king. Uh, yeah. And, and, and Kevin says a king's not supposed to do that. Yeah. Which was an interesting moment because it's kind of the king's own version of, of magic. Uh, it's, yeah, it's a story. It's it, it, right. King. The, the, this is what he says is important, and and uh, and sort of. Uh, what I'm taking away from that is it's that a, this a is a sleight of hand. This is the kinda. essence of this is the essence of power. Is you distract him with one hand, and you you know whatever's important, whatever is valuable to you. And Kevin just views it as like being tricked. It's a sleight of hand trick. Know. Yeah, he thinks of it as a magic trick. Uh, the king's telling him this is this is what's important in life, and it's being able to keep track of of what's really going on, what's really important. Uh, as a king, as a uh, politician, you know, you sort of have this idea of. Of uh, of knowing where the real power is, keeping your eye on the ball, perhaps uh, you're deceiving the people. Per- you could say you're, you know, you have this sort of illusion. You're you're portraying this illusion, but it's a simple simple parlor trick, um, and that's what he says is important. Uh, you know, being able to keep focused or whatever, just being able to maintain this illusion. Yeah, I think it kind of gives Kevin a new perspective of of. Not magic or, or kind of, you know, what, what the king's demonstrating. It's, it's possibly a sense of entertainment. You could interpret it that way. Uh, it's one of the first characters Kevin comes across where the guy is not obsessed with this gold and sort of this riches. And, and you know, he's not showing them how he's, how he's holding it over everybody. He's not executing people. He's not executing judgment on different yeah. people. He's not, you know, he's not torturing anybody. Um, he's not control. You know, he's not worried about control over his empire. You know, the way he's controlling everybody is, is not by defeating them and putting them in handcuffs and, and maintaining this army. It's a simple illusion. It's just this sort of an entertainment sleight of hand trick. It's simple enough. You know, he's he's proved that he's a hero by killing the monster. So he's a good guy in every sense. You know, he, yeah. he's not hurting anybody. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. He, and then. He's he's kind enough, you know. And then the the dwarves turn around and kind of use a Come trick in. of their own to get Kevin out of there well, they, and to go through the portal. Right, right. Agamemnon's he's unassuming. He's 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 he's, he's trusted these dwarves with the the. He doesn't understand what they're doing. He doesn't know who they are. They ask him for his crown. He's in a good mood. He gives him the crown, 
and they disappear on him. Yeah. And so you, you so, might say Agamemnon's a bit gullible. Uh, that's possibly the quality of a, of a really nice guy or a true hero, is he's willing to believe, you know, he believes the best in people, perhaps. So, so life was too good to be true for Kevin for that moment. It, um, he, well, he, yeah, he had his moment and he realizes this is the guy that's, this is the one nice guy he's come across ever. Yeah. You know, he's brave, he's, 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 uh, he's, he's, yeah. he's brave, he's a, he's a fighter. He's not afraid to fight, you know, but, uh, so th but he's a nice guy. we jumped forward in time to the Titanic. Yeah. Which is an, it's an edgy move. <laughs> <laughs> it's some I'd view it in bad taste, but I think it wasn't coming from a place of bad taste. I think it was coming from a, a, a place of humor. A place of, of like, these drawers are trying to live up the good life on the Titanic with their tuxedos and champagne and cigars only to crash and burn and have to get out of there and end up in the water. Well, this is where materialism you know. takes you. You know, they, they yeah. get... They it, get it's, it's a lesson. It's used to make a point. They, they get what they're after. You know, they've got their treasure. Yeah. They, they make it to the Titanic. This is they're their They're finally scheme. relaxing for a moment. This yeah. is... The, they've, they're, they've got everything they want. They're relaxing. They're smoking their cigars. They're yeah. comfortable. They're on the Titanic. And Kevin's bummed out. You know, Kevin's but he sad comes around, you know. Because Kevin's not a materialist. He's he's into the people and he found the one nice guy, uh, the one guy that's that's not in it for the for the for the money, that's not in it for the power. He's genuinely a nice guy and they've taken him away from that and they've presented him with these material goods, you know, they've given him whatever you can eat, you know, be comfortable, this is wealth. We've, we've, you know, we've got this, and Kevin's not interested in that. You there's, know? An, there's an important turning point here, though, because Randall's talking to Kevin. Right. And, and kind of, they both get on board with the same objective, saying there's this object of, of infinite power, and I know where it is now. It's right. in the, the hidden, the, the, sorry, the fortress of, whatever it's called, the hidden darkness. The ultimate fortress. <laughs> the of, ultimate fortress. Fortress of darkness, I think it was. Yeah, like exactly. But they've been infected... But they've been infected with this. And, and idea I'm sure that Kevin's thinking, "This is how I can get home, or get to where I need to go, or whatever." No, Kevin's Kevin. Kevin's not. The 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 dwarves have been infected with this idea from 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 the evil uh, from the evil being mm -hmm, that yeah. that they can that there's this object, the most valuable object ever on the in the ever been created. That they can get. Oh, because the evil does like a ventriloquist trick with right. one of the drawers. And, he put well. He puts this. Hey, I got puts an this, idea. Right. He puts this idea in. Their Doesn't head. he say you haven't had an idea for a thousand years? Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. He puts this idea in their head that's that's greed based. That's completely evil. That that they need to abandon everything. You know that that this is the most valuable thing, and they need to pursue it. And that's what they're after. And they could just be enjoy themselves and be comfortable there. In life, and they're not. They're not willing to to stop there. They're going to keep pursuing wealth. Um, you know, the, they think that that's going to make them happy, happier than they are. And and really, this pursuit is is putting them into danger and making them more miserable. Kevin's not infected with that idea. You're right. He's, he he was happy just to enjoy hanging out with Agamemnon. You know, he was he's happy just yeah, with the guy. Is not a bad gig. Well, the guy. They tell him that Agamemnon, that Greece, well, that's a terrible place. You can't enjoy your wealth there. They have nothing. They have no technology. 
and and Kevin doesn't care about that. They said like lowest standard of living in Europe or something. Kevin's Kevin's interested in, in character. You know, Agamemnon, Agamemnon's a good guy. He's brave. He's courageous. He's a, he's the true hero, and, and he's nice. He's kind. He's considerate. He's noble, and that's what Kevin's really pursuing. He's he's stuck with these these uh, yeah. the uh, these dwarf hero. characters that are that are sort of a character uh, caricature of youth. You know, they're they're sort of these guys trapped in their sort of their late teens, where you know they think they want you know material things want good. You know, they want fast cars and 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 they yeah. don't they don't they don't they're not they're not interested in controlling everybody around them. They're not interested in the sort of power uh, a power over everybody else like. You know, uh, like evil is. Evil wants to own everybody and control it. They're not interested in that. Right. But uh, the grass, you know, for them the grass is always greener. You know, there's there's never enough money. There's never enough fancy clothes. Enough, you know, fancy food for them. You know, they're they're stuck in the sort of physical mentality of you know the physical. They're pursuing all the all the physical charms. Kevin's after the the you know more character, uh, more noble you know qualities of. Of man, mm-hmm. so the dwarfs are in the water, right? And they're saying we got to get to this this place where this fortress is, and the evil one is looking in his cauldron and stirring it, and creates this kind of whirlwind portal that brings them into this now mythological fantasy the, plane of existence. This yeah, new the, reality, the, the land of legends, or the the mm-hmm. world of the time of legends. Yeah, we've gone completely fantasy now, and so in this plane. Right, right. Well, they say, well, you know, we have to get there. The way that we get there is you believe. Yeah. So they have this sort of idea of faith now, and so now, so now they're the previously they hadn't the the dwarves in the in the sense uh, they hadn't had this idea. They had this idea of hard materialism of of physical reality. They wanted physical things. Now they're going to go past that to this idea of belief. And there, you know, there's a little argument where it, you know, oh, you can't really get there. Yes, you can. We think mm-hmm. you can. That's where the that's where the good you know material things are. All you have to do is believe, and they want you know. And 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 Kevin buys into this, and this is where he it becomes dangerous because now okay he's infected with this. He, 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 previously he hadn't really wanted it, but now his life's on the line, and so he's gonna he's willing to believe in this time of legends to go with these guys. They they convince him. He sort of seems coming to this idea of peer pressure. And so it's a picture of this guy growing up, and he's he you know previously he had been an innocent. He's now he's seen a bit of he's seen Napoleon, he's seen Robin Hood, he's mm-hmm. seen Agamemnon. He's he's been around a little bit, and and he's got this idea of he, he, you know companionship, and he needs people, and he's he's always been interested in people, but now he's sort of buying into this idea because all the other familiar guys are buying into this idea that we're going to believe we're going to travel to this time of legends. He knows it's dangerous. He doesn't particularly want to go there, um, but he doesn't want to be alone in the ocean either. Yeah, so, it's his only way out. Right. So uh, so he's going to believe in this time of legends, and they all travel into this other world now. And now they've gone beyond uh, history and the sort of reality of Earth uh, of what you know we accept in present day as things that have happened and things that could happen. And now we get into this really surreal people, surreal era, where now we have ogres on a boat. And these are creatures that you know science doesn't tell us existed. Um, yeah, kind of a strange scene. Even, right. He has this kind of back pain. Right. And 
so he's not really a bad guy. He's just kind of a frustrated, annoyed right. guy who's kind of grouchy and grumbling right. until Kevin in the drawers kind of stretch out his back. And right. And we've we've had this idea of good versus we had the supreme being and this evil being, and the ogres aren't really evil, but they're truly dangerous because they're gonna they're prepared to actually kill yeah. Kevin and these dwarves. They, they eat people. They do. You know. Yeah. They're dying. they're not evil in the way that evil is, where they're where they're out to dominate everybody. Uh, they're frustrated. They're you know the one yeah. is in a lot of pain. Um, they're not hateful. They're just higher up on the food chain. They're not right. They're not hateful, but they're definitely uh, hungry. Yeah. There's a survival element. There's a there's an obnoxious quality to them. There's a survival mode thing. They're trying. You know, uh, and 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 this is a thing that happens in life where you get to a you know. People that are in pain become dangerous and frustrated. And, and I think this is another turning point because the drawers actually help someone else, like intentionally with with his back pain. Right. And the result is is him blowing the the sails of the ship and sending them right to where they need to go. Right. Yeah. Kevin's sensitive, and when he sees that he realizes that the Sogar is, is in pain, he, says, he helps stretch. him. He does yeah. the stretching exercises. The dwarves are opportunists, so of course they they take the opportunity to throw them off the boat. They escape from the from the danger of being eaten, the very real danger of being eaten from these from these truly yeah. danger the you know these dangerous characters. Uh, and they escape from that. Um, it's very surreal because now their boat that they're on be, turns out to be uh, uh, in a storm. They mm-hmm. survive the storm, you know. They're they're still tempting. They're controlling the universe. They they drop the sail, but then they're on the head of a giant, and and I, which I think is this, which is kind of the strangest visual. Yeah, this, that we kind of this, see this here. Is, yeah, well, it had been it had been this crazy journey before, uh, the supernatural journey, and now it's super supernatural because yeah. because now you have you've had the ogres and now you have this giant, and so these are these are outside beyond the realm of of the you know it's, this is. This is truly fantastic beyond the beyond. Well, you had an interesting, and good and an evil. interesting commentary of this scene. Right. This is about the universe and. Right. Uh, I said that the giant represents the the ability. He's beyond the. Uh, it represents a sort of this even further change farther from farther from the from the supernatural, representing this man's inability to understand the universe. You know, the universe mm. is infinite. The workings of good and evil are extremely complex. Um, but the giant represents the idea that man will never be able to understand the complete you know uh, complexities of the universe. Uh, science keeps you know the more science explores the universe the more things it finds that it doesn't understand. Hmm. Uh, a couple hundred years ago, we had this idea that the, that the um, atom was the smallest, you know, uh, particle in the universe. Um, we split the atom. There's all these forces inside the atom holding the atom together that we don't under, you know, that the yeah. science is trying to explain now in theories. Um, every time that we explore something, we, you know, what's beyond the thing that we don't understand? We, we still don't really understand exactly how gravity works. There's these flaws in the theories of the equations of gravity and, and more, you know, that, that we still struggle to understand. Um, That's why the giant is so oblivious to this thing on his head, which is really a pirate ship full of people. Right, right. You know. So the idea that you have molecules and force, you know, you have it's inside the atom you have the, pro, or way. inside a molecule you have these protons and neutrons and what's holding all the, you know, what's all, all, all the electrons are forced outside. Um, they don't touch each other, but what's holding all the protons, uh, you know, in an atom together? 
Yeah. You know, these are all positively charged. How can they possibly cling together? There's a force in there. Uh, you know, this stuff doesn't make sense. And, and, and these are the things at the core of the universe. And so, you know, there's always... Uh, what happens when you go faster than the speed of light? You know, we got black holes and dark matter. And every time we turn around, science is inventing a new terminology or a new idea for mm -hmm. these things. And at the, at, the core of, uh, at the core of it, I believe that, you know, man, uh, as an A, has to accept that his brain only lasts for so many years, or an organic matter with a limited capacity, brain capacity, the universe is infinitely large, um, so the beginning of wisdom is to mm -hmm. understand that you're never going to understand the whole universe. You're going to look at a small particle of it, make as much sense of it as you can. Um, this idea that science is understanding more and more of it, and what we're really doing is learning how little of it we understand. Some and, call and it a, a snake eating its tail. The mind is trying to comprehend the mind. Right, with right. With the mind. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And and so that's what that's what I think that's what this what this uh, what this movie you know viewing it as a teenager, um, having you know sort of surveyed all of mm -hmm. history and science. You know, I take in, in high school, I take physics and chemistry and math and 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 sort of had this sort of overview of of man's understanding of what's going on in the universe as you know uh just just becoming a christian and when i looked at this mm -hmm. movie i saw this sort of idea uh how crazy it was for for man to you know for a person to sort of have this idea that we under that science or anything else had this sort of understanding of the of the universe and when you saw this movie in a nutshell especially when you saw this giant with the boat on its head coming out of the water as a hat that was how little we understood the universe. Mm. I caught this glimpse of Terry saying how, you know, Terry Gilliam telling me how ridiculous it was that, you know, that we were going to understand the universe, that we have the, such this tiny role and and how hopeless it is to try and control everything, you know. But yet, yeah. as this boat is coming off, these guys are working away at it. They're controlling, trying to take yeah, control of the little bit that they have. They eventually are able to put him to sleep. They, they pump the drugs into this <laughs> giant. They somehow manage to subdue this guy. Sits down, takes off the hat. Uh, they're in the middle of this place that they don't understand. You know, yeah, they, this is one of my, my favorite scenes. They, man, they literally get to the glass wall of the end right. of reality which is really a the fantasy of, reality they're they're off the map they've reached yeah they've they're literally really off the end the map. of the universe if yeah. you will and and that's how we are as humans we keep exploring we have this sort of genetic uh, requirement that we have to keep exploring everything keep going you know wherever we don't understand we're going to jump into it no matter how potentially you know catastrophic it is uh we're gonna we're gonna go for it we're gonna go and explore it and find out what's there yeah. We're, we're never satisfied to just and, sit and, and be... And you see next to them are, are the bones of someone who got there right. and just died. <laughs> right, Just right. couldn't figure it out. Dead. And you take the skull and throw it into the glass and break a hole. Right, right. E even when they were on the Titanic enjoying themselves, they weren't going to be happy just sitting there enjoying themselves. They were going to go after this massive prize at the end of the universe. Yeah. Right, this, this hopeless thing. So the, the Titanic crashes, but... That wouldn't have been the end of it for them, anyways. They were going to go to this place to be, you know, yeah. anyways. So, which, which isn't even a real thing. That ultimate, and that's uh, and that, thing of power, right? It's right. Sort it of was, just this, this temptational. It's a trap, really. That it's, evil has set for us. Yeah. And that's who we are as humanity. You know, we're always constantly exploring. We're always opening Pandora's box. You know, we're never consent, content to yeah. just enjoy the simple challenges. Where we are, we're always got to invent new technologies, make things a little bit better than they are. We're, we're, you know, uh, 
we're, we're pushing for uh, nuclear power even though it's completely dangerous. We're, you know, using genetically, eating genetically modified foods even though, um, you know, there's a possibility that these mutations could come around and, and, and destroy everything. Um, you know, we're always... There's All right, now we're getting a little off topic. With this. But, but this is the nature, to me, this is the nature of humanity, oh, and it's right, summed okay. up in this movie. Um, you know, we're, we're always pushing, uh, pushing uh, on the brink of disaster into the unknown. Yeah. So they shatter, shatter the glass wall of reality and enter a new plane of existence. Right. And it's just a great sort of gothic, castle-y, giant Lego, dark... And... And, kind of place. And where are we? We're at the beginning of temptation. Here, evil is—we've fallen right into evil's trap, into the, into the devil's trap. He presents this sort of game show atmosphere. A there's, very, very eerie kind of creepy moment of right, Kevin right. seeing his parents. There's, there's the and material. They're even more lost than they were. They're right. even more. There's, there's the game show host. You know, completely dark maze. Can can say more of this is a trap. This is evil. This yeah. is danger. The thing's all black. There's this castle. They run into it because at the core of it, there's a little bit of cheese. Yeah, the, in the middle of this the, medieval castle, the game show host there's walks the game out show host just <laughs> like he's in the middle of an infomercial, offering the technology and the prizes, right? And and there's Kevin's parents, and and he's he's leery. You know, he's leery. He's like, no, no, this is bad. This is bad. And he's yeah. like, but at the same time, he's like, he's so confused. Mom, Dad, you know what's going on? And there go his friends after it, and so he's enticed, and and mom and dad are in there. Well, they're on a plane now where their physical senses aren't really of use to them, or or they can't trust them. This isn't the physical <laughs> right. world. This right. isn't. Right. He's illy illy equipped to deal with. Right. With this kind of reality. And the and you have this duality going on, and 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 this is a very real thing that we have going on because, in man's nature, we have this technology that we're achieving. Um, it's reality is always changing around us constantly. You know, we go from having, uh, you know, in my lifetime, we went from not having the internet and not having computers in our homes. Mm -hmm. We have the internet now. All the information, all the understanding of mankind is at a is right there on the internet now. We can Google search anything and anyone. Um, we have cell phone technology now with the whole internet we carry with us in our in our smartphones every day, and. Uh, and this is a major change yeah, from from uh, from when I was growing up, where um, where that was not accessible, where you had a phone at your house, but you didn't carry around one with you, um, and 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 so reality is sort of changing and morphing incredibly, unbelievably, constantly, um, and at the same time, the things that continue on is a sort of idea of good and evil. We have these qualities of being faithful to our friends and having mm -hmm. a good character, not lying, telling the truth, not beating each up over for a little bit of gold for for a little bit of a prize that you know that we that we can't really carry with us. Um, but yet we fight these wars, we have these battles, we betray our friends um, because we want a little bit better car than the guy standing next to us. You know, we're competing with our neighbors to have a little bit better lifestyle. Um, you know, we want the grass is always a little bit greener. It always looks a little bit better down the street, and we chase after that thing, and we can never just quite sit and enjoy our relationships and our friends, uh, like Kevin was ready to do with Agamemnon in the palace and just be at the party. He's ready to sit down there and enjoy that life, be with Agamemnon. That's all he wants was to have a good friend, somebody who's loyal and faithful, and and a hero and brave, and and you know acquire these qualities of nobility. 
and and the dwarves come and sort of take that away from him and he gets caught up in, in this crazy you know mm-hmm. thing that we have this lifestyle you, you know he's fighting against it he doesn't want to go to the titanic and these guys have dragged him off and now he's here at the core of everything that man has always struggled with good versus evil materialism versus uh just this sort of noble character uh loving you know mature sort of relation you know idea of who we are that we're humble little you know humble humble beings we can we can be happy if, we... Well, speaking of that, this is the moment of humility because evil gets the map and imprisons right. the characters in these and it's a as, floating cage. It's as simple as with, the, with no bottom, a bottomless dark. It's as area. simple as this sort of glitzy game show character that's offering them um, prizes and whatever this you know thing is. You know this sort of the, the best prizes, fancy new gadgets. They run up to evil. And he simply takes the map from them, and now they're in a cage. Yeah. You know, they've, they've come to evil. They've made a decision to believe in the supernatural gold. They've chased after the, the slightly better grass. Um, you know, they, they could have been happy just living in the world and, and finding a comfortable place, but no, they, they want to see the, the thing that's a little bit better, the, the thing that's yeah, a little bit fancier. And creatively and visually, this is my favorite part of the film. They're right. being trapped in this cage. Right. And really working together to escape and, and, and they have exposing com- all they have all this talent and knowledge and 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 we gotta say that the, the dwarves haven't come out of a noble cause. They haven't come to rescue the princess. They haven't right. come to save their friend. They uh-huh. haven't come to save mankind or the world to take away you know, to to take away the to disarm the terrorists of the nuclear device, um, but they're fighters. They've rushed in. And they will fight for their life. Well, they've they've rushed in and and after greed, Kevin has sort of followed them in. So he's the most noble of them. Mm-hmm. He's he's sort of the guy that's come to try and help his friends that have, have gone down this uh, this this ugly road, um, and and now they're all caught in the cage together, and and it's they're a- not they're they're not hopeless. They haven't abandoned hope. Um, so they're they're still fighting. They're still they're sort of arguing amongst themselves. But uh, they really have to trust each other because they s- string this rope, right. and they have to trust the guy on the other end is holding on for dear life while right. the other one slides down it to the other side. And this is a this is a truly romantic. All while the cage is breaking, and right. the, the one strand of rope that's holding this whole thing up is right. coming apart. And, and, and this is a climax in the movie. This is the dramatic point. There's this yeah. is this isn't comedic. For the first time in the movie, there's nothing but darkness around them. There's no sort of uh, comic relief. Um, everything's on the line. Um, they're trapped. There's there's nothing to distract us from the dire situation. Um, yeah. They've been confronted with evil. They're perishing. Uh, but they're resourceful. They still they're eating have... rats, biting their heads off. <laughs> well, that that was going on constantly, anyways. That's oh. <laughs> that's possibly the, some comic relief. Yeah, uh, this is a low the, point, though. But this, considering but this is a low dark point. It's only dramatic. It's not comedic. Their lives are on the line. They're you know they they get out of the cage and they make it to the wall. They almost lose their one friend. So it is yeah. very dramatic. It is very dark. Um, and they've got to get the map back now. That's their one hope. And then they have the picture of the map, so they. They think that there's a sense, uh, a way to get out of this thing, but they're confronted by evil. Now. Yeah. And they think they can win. They think they can beat evil, and how do they do it? They can, but evil's just toying with them, so... Well, they, they, their response to the evil is the same response that man has had uh, 
throughout every war in history, um, they 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 confront evil with um, physical solutions. Yeah, you know? I think they're probably thinking we need soldiers. So you have cowboys come out. Right. You have these these Greek archers come out. Right. You, you have, have you have a tank. Right. Modern warfare. We have the the science the science fiction. This is the first time we've seen the the science fiction. The guy comes with a spaceship, but they've got these technological solutions. Yeah. But but they're all they're all physical forms of warfare. None yeah, of all them. These groups come out. Right. None of them are sort of theological solutions, or uh, or decisions of of love and charity and kindness and nobility to deal with evil. Um, none of them are, are seeking, you know. Oh, we need the supreme being. Let's, re you know, yeah. let's ask for help from God. They're they're just the 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 familiar formats that we see. We we you know, mankind always using um, violence to subdue violence. Yeah, the, the Calvary uh, comes out. Right, right, right. We try and we try and fight our way to peace. You know, we're gonna subdue these guys. We're gonna fight them. Um, you know, the the Buddhists are the exception where you know you you we're gonna you know you have Gandhi where he submits himself he's going to become a casualty uh, you know we don't see that kind of thing here it's not a solution of character it's a solution of physical you know materialistic confrontation sort of thing these guys are gonna you know beat the the evil with uh, with physical violence and it doesn't work it doesn't work and, and he doesn't subdue them with their own technology yeah. you know the tank doesn't come up against other tanks it comes up against the supernatural control. It's also wor worth noting in this land, the, the evil one likes to make people into half-animal, half-human kind right. of creatures. One of the dwarves gets turned into a half-pig. Right. And you look at mythology, the, the mentars, the kind of right. half-horse creatures, and it's just this almost perversive kind right. of way of combining what shouldn't be this chaos. Right. It's it's exactly symbolic. that. It's, 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 and evil's just amused by by seeing it. Right. He right. lets the pig boy live. Right. It's not know? even a battle because the the evil every the you know the cowboys come up and they lasso him and he sub, he destroys the cowboys with a with a mechan with a mechanical tool a knife yeah. that cuts him. He uh, he overcomes the he the overcomes arrow, the, the arrows, yeah, the archers with the sort of balloon thing that blows back. It's it's just a weirdness. It's a darkness. The tank is you just takes like sort of a mind control, yeah, evil over the tank, a magical nature. None of it's fought on yeah. any kind of physical, you know, warfare. Yeah, the warfare, physical warfare backfires on the dwarfs, right? And he uses it against them. It's they're completely helpless. There was never, yeah. a, there was never. They, they made be a matters battle. worse. It's just a comical. Uh, uh, the, from the point of view of the evil character, he he's amusing himself. Yeah. You know, this is just sort of a comedy to him. It, everything for him is about confusion and darkness, and and uh, of course there's a death. Right, one of the dwarves has to die. And that's... yeah, and this is something that the movie gets. This is something that's that's extremely dark. The one the one dwarf is turned into a pig. The other one actually dies. These guys kind of a Pinocchio symbolism never, going on. Right, there. and this is new to the, the dwarfs. They've never faced this in their careers working for the Supreme Yeah, being. they're in a way over their head. Yeah, these guys have never died before. They, this is something, this is a new dimension. And they grieve. And, and we see this transformation of them. They've, they've lost every, every bit of their character. It's not funny anymore. They're not comical. They're frustrated. They're angry. Um, they're... they're uh, yeah. They're desperate. There's nothing, there's nothing funny about them anymore. It's only sad and painful for them. 
and, and they're at a loss. This it's is, at that moment the Supreme Being shows up, turns evil into stone, yeah. shatters him. Right. And and he appears in a different form. Previously, yeah, he'd only been the sort of a, a, his human, yeah, old British guy form. Yeah, as, as a as a he's not exactly kind, but he's personable. He's a he's a person. Yeah, he still a, makes them clean up the mess. Yeah, and this is not a bad image of God. He's he's not this sort of innocent, vulnerable character. He's he's authoritative. He comes in and he's authoritative. But he's relatable. Yeah. And this is Gilliam's finest hour, because it's where his whole <laughs> philosophy comes to a point in this right. scene. And resolves itself. And and uh, uh, the supreme being has defeated evil. Yeah. Um, materialism has not. Uh, the, the, he, the dwarves get their job so back. He defeated he, the version of evil. Right, he, right. An, he, an he, he takes control. He takes control back. And he says, well, this worked out good. We tested my creation. And Kevin says, but why did they have to die? And the Supreme Being says, well, why, you know, you might as well ask, why did there have to be evil? It's a really dark moment. Of... It, right. But, but, he, but he answers, the sort of answers the question. He goes, something about free will, I ha you know. And, yeah. And so he it's sort a, of teases us with moment. this. Right. He sort of teases us with this answer. Uh, he doesn't exactly answer it. And we sort of get this idea that it's possibly beyond man's comprehension. You know, that God yeah. has his own God has his own ideas about how the universe works. But he sort of gives us this idea of there's free will. Man has choices. Yeah. There's consequences to your choices. Um, but we see the whole film is about the free will of the dwarfs. Because even when the floating head shows up, he's never hurting them or zapping them. Right. He, ne he never stops them from doing anything. Right. They He's, still have their free will, and they follow it till the end of that path. Natural consequence right. takes effect. And in the end, they're grateful, but they still have to submit to him. The Supreme Being has to show up and right. save them. Uh, right. He and resurrects to, the dead dwarf, right. you know. Kevin, Kevin has a... The, because he said, what does what he say in that moment? He's like, being dead, that's no excuse to take off work. Right, and he resurrects him. So he's resurrected, but to the purposes of the supreme being. Yeah. So there's this sort of uh, really obscure ending. We can't completely understand everything the supreme being's doing, but he's at work there. He's in yeah. control. He's. But he still feels right as a character. Right. He still made, made enough sense. He's authoritative. He's not abusive. Yeah. To, to a degree. Kevin... He picks up something of Kevin's, Kevin's bag, returns it to yeah. Kevin, but Kevin has to sign for it. I mean, this might be more hopeful, but I think all the, the cowboys and knights were just kind of, you know, immaterial figments of imagination kind of showing up out of nowhere. They weren't like... Uh, life is transitory. It doesn't really tell them, you know, these guys, are, they, they exist and they, then they don't exist. They show still on this kind of metaphysical fantasy plane. Right, yeah. right. They fight the battle. They're heroes. They go down. You know, they die for their cause. Yeah. So in that sense, they're heroes. Um, yeah. You know, we know as humans that the, we're going to die. The best of the best couldn't defeat evil. Right, right. We Only don't, the supreme being could. We don't have the sense that there's an afterlife for humanity. Um, in that sense, um, you know, we would have liked to. You know, maybe as humans, we would have liked to see that we're transformed into something else. Gilliam doesn't. He doesn't. He takes that away from us. You know, these. The, they're still. Yeah, death. he doesn't say it's not there, though. Right, right. Well, you know, you know, we see all the knights I, I that are dead, all the, the cowboys the are kids, dead. We see all the bodies. It's more Kevin's naivety and not grasping it. Yeah. 
He doesn't say that it is there. He doesn't say that it isn't there. Um, but we say that life is transitory. Yeah. You know that it's limited. Um, whatever comes after it, you know, as yeah. a human, we he doesn't give us a taste of it. He doesn't promise. He doesn't promise it. Promise it to us like the you know like you might like we would see in in Buddhism or the Bible or other religions. You know, religions sort of give us this idea that man after after life he goes into some other form. He exists in some other relationship with God, and Gilliam doesn't really give us this. Um, but we do have the sense of good versus evil. Yeah, and that there's a there's a right choice and there's a wrong choice. There's consequences, um, uh, and and moreover that the universe is beyond our you know we're not going to get the full understanding. We don't have we're not yeah. going to know it in the sense that God knows it or control it in the sense that God controls it. Of course, and there's always the the, the idea there that this is a very real dream. So then we see the dwarfs leave with the supreme being. Kevin's returned to There's his... a whole bunch of smoke. Right. Kevin wakes up, seemingly, and sees he's, the house is on fire. He's back in basically. the present. He's back in the present that he started yeah. at with his parents. There's a fire. He, he comes out of it. His hero, Agamemnon, is a, is a fireman now. And and it's not like it's, had, it's been a complete dream because he still has his pictures with the, he his has Polaroids. He pictures, yeah. Right. And he recognizes the evil. We, we see how dark and how ugly his parents are. Because the firemen rescue Kevin, the parents show no relief, no recognition that Kevin's been saved or that he's alive. Him. They're busy fighting over their toasters and their parents. So, so you know, he, he says, if you were half the man, you would go back in for the toaster. Right, that's the, what she says. The wife's more concerned with the things that she owns when with, than that her husband's, than than her relationship with her husband that that he's alive or dead or injured or healthy or not. Yeah, um, you know, she's concerned with that. They're they're. They're locked. They're definitely these people that are very materialistic, locked into the, locked into these. Yeah, there's no redemption these for these characters. Right, right, and and the fireman brings it out. Yeah, so this is dark. the cause of the. This is the cause of the problem, right? The toaster. Yeah. This is the thing that started it. You, you know, he says that you left the Sunday joint, and they said, "Well, this is no, we didn't leave this joint." So the they have no. The parents have no understanding of what they're holding, but it's a. It's the little microwave oven or toaster oven yeah. or whatever it is. It's got the evil in it. Kevin recognizes yeah. the evil, says... Part of the, the, the stone that It's evil, evil. Into. don't touch it. As soon as he says don't touch it, the parents are are compelled to touch it, and they're destroyed. They're vaporized. They're, yeah, they become vaporized. Uh, the fireman the winks, fruit, if you will. The fireman winks at Kevin, and we don't know if the ending is good or bad. He's, he's lost his parents on the one hand and his home, on the other hand, they're completely evil, horrible characters. Yeah. And Kevin still has his has his has his heroes from the movie. Yeah. His, his, he has his experiences yeah. with God and the universe. He's got the world view that he didn't have previously. So he's we followed him on this journey from innocence and ignorance to um, to understanding of the universe, not just the not just the world, but the universe and supernatural, and and. Uh, Good and evil. Well, well, let me just say something. Okay, mm -hmm. and, and Gilliam's not a typical guy. He's not a typical storyteller. Yeah. It, in this kind of formula, though, like Wizard of Oz or Alice in Wonderland, you would see they wake up, they're back to the reality, they right. made it home. But I think it's ambiguous enough for I'm going to present the alternative theory yeah. that maybe Kevin is still dreaming. Mm. Maybe. Um. That's why he sees 
He's still, Ar- that's Agamemnon. why he's still got the Polaroids. Why he that's why he still has the Polaroids. He hasn't left this reality, this fantasy. Yeah. And that's why there's still the, the supernatural uh, stone of evil. The parents are vaporized. So he's left in the dream state. Okay, that's a very brutal ending for, for parents. Yeah. You know. To realize that the parents are bad, these these characters... But but it's uh because as far as the parent they have no reason to believe that there's an evil rock that's going to vaporize them. That's not part of their reality. Right, but know? they're so oblivious to their own son that yeah, when maybe he, that's their true sin that they're being punished. They're that's oblivious. Their true crime. They're oblivious to their you son. Know? The the one thing that they're going to leave in the world is is the relation is their child. You know, your child outlives you. Yeah. That's that's your um, that's what you give to the future. That's your gift to the future is the child that yeah. you raise. And so, possibly the most important influence you have uh, is your is your child and your relationships. You know, I maintain that the one thing that we take out of this world is a relationship. You know, a relationship with God and a relationship, our character that yeah. we have, that we developed over the course of our lives. That's what. That's what. Yeah. We, that's what. That's what. And, we and leave. whatever the ending was, Gillian was make it a point. Right. With Vaporous and the parents. Uh, all through the Who's movie. Who's bringing home a point. All through this movie, extreme. we have this contrast of materialism versus character. Yeah. Um, we have, you know, the, e- the evil is locked onto the value system where the materials and the things, the computers and the technologies and the ownership and the control, um, you know, over, over the things mm-hmm. that you have. Owning things is the most important um, at the other end of the spectrum isn't God, uh, you know, because the supreme being, he's created everything, so so he already has everything, but you have Agamemnon, the good guy, and Kevin, and and what they value is just the relationships and the people, you yeah. know, that's what, that's what, that's what's important to them is the relationships, their friends, you know, he's got pictures, his pictures aren't pictures of the gold and the castles, they're pictures of people. Yeah, you know, that's what he's. That's, that's a good point. That's what he's got out of this thing, and he, yeah. you know, what he loved more than anything was Agamemnon, who was the brave, decent person. You know, the good person. He, you know, and and he still got that at the end because the firemen survive. You know, the the mm-hmm. characters that survive at the end that he's got are the the firemen, although they leave the house, they leave Kevin behind, and he doesn't have the house, and he doesn't have the, you know, but he doesn't have the parents controlling him and dominating him either. Right. So he's got his freedom. He's got his, his information about the universe, his, his perspective of the universe. He's, he's had this contact with the supreme being. He survived against evil. You know, he has all this experience and this understanding that he didn't have. Um, and he has the potential to go out and make good decisions, um, you know, and, and meet nice people. You know, he does, he's not locked into doing what his, what his parents, what his materialistic parents dictated to him. Yeah. So let me ask you this as we kind of wrap up. And 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 the I would say that the music the music George Harrison's song at the end is cheerful music. It's not it a is. dark foreboding music. <laughs> it's a happy happy music. It's meant to be a happy you, you, conclusion. You, you, you zoom out of the planet and there's Kevin left standing in this rubble of his house. His parents are gone. The firemen survive but they leave him and he's left alone and what does he have and it's like okay is this a happy ending or not you know he hasn't got a romance he hasn't you know he hasn't got yeah. a, he's not surrounded by his friends he hasn't got any property what has he got the music's happy so you know he's got his freedom and he's he's you know he yeah. he survived he's alive uh you know god hasn't not destroyed him he gets the gay <laughs> wink <laughs> yeah possibly <laughs> so Okay, so you've seen this multiple times since 1981. Yeah. Um, 
So what has your experience been with this movie? Kind of. What? How has it changed my life? Uh, yeah. I mean, you in know, a sense, I mean, in a sense, do you catch more on the repeat viewings, and you kind of it kind of stuck with you through these years, and yeah, it it, it did. It sort of gave me the sense that uh, uh, this fantastic vision. I, I think more than anything, it, it alleviated me of the sort of competitiveness, the sort of hopeless search, you know, the sort of chasing after material things. It it did leave me with this sort of a sense of freedom. Didn't you say it got you in a lot of trouble? Bad decision bad making. Bad decision. Certainly. Well, <laughs> tell you know, that story. At, at at my age, I I I, I don't have a, a job. I don't have a house that I own. Um, uh, I've been on adventures though. Yeah. I've met a lot of people. I've been to a lot of places. I've you know I've I've lived in Hawaii. You could identify with the dwarves. Yeah, I you know, I, I sort of have that joy of adventure. I've. I feel like I've escaped a lot of traps. Um, I haven't succumbed, you know, I haven't been stuck in a job, in the same job, doing the same thing for 20 or 30 years, you know, that I hated. Yeah. I've sort of had this sort of a, a ability to take adventures uh, and enjoy the people that I've met, you know, um, to walk away from bad relationships. Um, uh, I sort of, uh, I would say that uh, I haven't been uh, locked into pursuit um, that I didn't like, mm -hmm. um, and so in that sense, it it I don't know that anything has changed my life because I wasn't on like a path. You know, I, I um, the time I saw the movie, the only thing I was pursuing was a college education. Um, I had the I was able to walk away from that when I saw that you know what I don't know what a college education is going to give me you know I don't know I was in college I was taking my sec uh, the years that I was in college I I never really saw anything that I wanted that I said you know what I'm gonna I got to get this college degree because that's going to give me the good jobs and and I want a good job with you know with comfortable lifestyle that that stuff never really appealed to me. Yeah. Um, we'll just riding around in the giant's head <laughs> not knowing what we're doing. There's, yeah, and, and I did that. I've, I've, uh, you know, when I was in college, I, I had this great experience where I got involved in these different adventures. I, mean, we, I went to uh, mental institutions uh, with different church groups, and I got to For meet For treatment? These... <laughs> no, no, oh. no I, I volunteered. We used to have hold Sunday <laughs> services at these hospitals, and we used to, you know, sort of minister to these uh, these characters at this institution. These were, you know, we'd go to the different wards and we'd take them. And and so we got to meet all these different people, not just the not just the characters that were living at the at the institution, but the other Christians. You know, I've been on mission right. groups where we went down to Mexico and, and worked in orphanages. Um, uh, so I met those people. I've met homeless people. I've been interested in them. At the same time, I've been on. Uh, I, I worked backstage at concerts um you know where i met different you know all these different bands and all these different people there that was a tremendous adventure uh more incidences and more adventures as a, and experiences as, as opposed to you know having the same job and collecting a lot of wealth i, I have one thought about the supreme being okay I, I thought um that that he does say they ask him like have you been watching us the whole time and did you know we were going to do this and did you right. know this would happen and he's like of course of course right. i knew this was going to happen of right. course i was in control of it all yeah and that's a very kind of cool um 
providence kind of mm-hmm. destiny kind of aspect to it. Right. He's omniscient, and we know that none of these other characters are omniscient and don't know what's going to happen. Right, right. There's a comforting sense of of control there. Right, right. You know. What his purpose is, why, you know, what his purpose is of creation and exactly what, what it's, you know, why he's doing it is unclear. Yeah. But it's, it's comforting for for the characters. At but least. he seems pleased with it. Yeah. <laughs> he says, I tested it, it works. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever that yeah. means. He, he didn't, you know, uh, allow this, this stuff to happen. Anymore. Yeah. Well, there you have it, folks. The long-winded conversation <laughs> about the legendary film from 1981, Time, uh, time bandits. Vastly, right. yeah, vastly underappreciated, as far as yes. I can tell. It's, it's, uh, it's sort of a cartoon of a movie in many senses, mm-hmm. but it presents the whole world, natural and supernatural, um, uh, many genres, and uh, this crazy adventure with God and our heroes and mother and father and the struggle from uh, innocence to uh, to experience. Everything short of love, I think, is in there. (laughs) (laughs) There you have it, folks. The end.